Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to discuss them. <laughs> It's February. Jeez. I stared right at the date and then I ruined it. Are you on Schnapple? No, I'm just on my fucking calendar. <laughs> that was your mistake. It's February 10th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 249. I'm Chris Reno. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Nick Brecken. And congrats to you two for shipping a video game. Oh, thanks, Nick. You did it. Yeah. That's really cool. Thank you. We yeah. shipped our game Firewatch yesterday after working on it for over two years. Uh... And it's out. You can buy it on Steam and PlayStation 4. It's at firewatchgame.com. It's one of the, one of the great URLs. Yep. Uh, it's also available at whatisfire.watch, thanks to a strange person. That's, that's true. Gotta mention hopefully, that. hopefully using uh, an idle thumbs hover code of, of your... <laughs> one, can only, one can only imagine. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's out. It's a... For, I mean... The first-person exploration story game, if that kind of thing is interesting to you, it's called Firewatch. It's out right now, and that's about it. And now what we're going to talk about is Tomb Raider. That's true. I did play Tomb oh, yeah. Rise of Rise of the Tomb Raider this week. It has risen. Yes. She has risen, and it was surprising because I <laughs> didn't know anything about what this game was. I kind of assumed that I did, but it turns out I did not. Uh, the reason I played Rise of the Tomb Raider specifically is because, um, you know, I'd been playing... The Witness, obviously, since it came out. And I was... So I think I mentioned this last week, or maybe the week before, I can't remember. You know, The Witness came out, and then Tomb Raider was coming out, which I had heard recommended by Danielle, our former mm. Idle Thumbs co-host, who now is the co-host of Idle Weekend. And she really liked it. And I'm like, okay, well, I should probably play that game when it comes out, because I haven't played a, a new, like, 3D, you know, world... like. Did you play the the Tomb Raider that came out three years no, ago? No, I haven't played one of the sort you of You played main, Guardian of Light? I did play that, but in terms of like main sort of traditional Tomb Raiders, I hadn't played one of those since Underworld, oh, okay. which is several years ago, you know, years yeah. ago at this point. But I loved that game, and I haven't played any since then. You know, I didn't play Anniversary. I didn't play uh, the one that's just called Tomb Raider, I guess. And, and then XCOM 2 is coming out, and XCOM, you know, the, the first XCOM remake by Firaxis was, I loved it a lot. And XCOM 2 has been getting incredibly good reviews. And it seems like if you like XCOM, you will like this probably. So uh, that was there. And then the sort of shadow looming over all of this perspective game playing was the goddamn witness. Because that I have so much left. I mean, I've solved like 300 puzzles in that thing. But as far as I know, that's only like half, half of, of it. The puzzles. Yeah. And Jonathan so, blows the goddamn witness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is one of those games that I know will absorb as much time as I put in it into it for quite some time, right? right? Like that's just that's a given at this point, really. And so it's your go-to game right now. Yeah, and it's the one that I sort of think about. It's the one that like occupies brain space mm-hmm. when I'm not thinking about like the game that we're launching or like any of the other stuff I have to do in my life. That's the thing that just like seeps in around the edges and I'm like, "Oh, man, I should try this way of solving this like th- you know, there's like a key puzzle type that i have not i thought i knew how it worked but i don't right it turns out i don't and so that just like pokes into my brain when i have a free moment sometimes and i'm like man i gotta figure out how to solve that goddamn thing and uh and so the so then in in the context of that you know in the shadow of the witness i was like i can't load up xcom 2 because that's also going to be a game that eats time. It's just, that's yeah. just life consumption. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I, I'm going to get attached to my squatties. I'm going to, you know, be in, involved in this big campaign. Um, even though that's probably the one I want to play most, right? Like it's probably the game that I actually want to play most right now. 
this is the stupidest thing to say, but like it feels irresponsible yeah. to play it relative to the witness still existing in my life, which is <laughs> idiotic. I mean, I'm a, like, I'm an idiot for saying that. That doesn't make any sense at all. But that's like emotionally how it feels because I'm dumb. And so I'm like, okay, well, I was also excited about Tomb Raider, so I'll play that. I had no idea what this game is. I was. Do you do either of you guys know what the deal with this game is? No, I didn't. I, I mean, didn't play the previous not Tomb this Raider game. Or I, this one. Yeah, yeah like I, the, I read a lot of the coverage. Did of you play the previous Tomb Raider? Game, but I, I did not play Tomb Raider fourteen or whatever. Yeah, it was. no, no. I mean, I know what that game was. Okay, but I don't know because what this game is. I started playing this game and it opens <laughs> presumably Tomb Raider too. Well, so uh, I mean, I I don't know. So you start it up and. In the style of games like this now, it opens like the opening of an Uncharted game, you know, in a big set piece where you're climbing from like crazy crags and disasters are happening. Crazy crags. You know, like the aggro crag, for instance. (laughs) It starts when when, uh, Lara Croft was a contestant on Nickelodeon Guts. It's a hard reboot that puts her (laughs) firmly in the millennial demographic. No, I mean, you flash back to her childhood when she was competing on Um, Guts, climbing the aggro (laughs) crag. That's what I mean, yeah. And that set the stage for her... Her tomb raiding adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Where yeah. are they now? Siberia. <laughs> uh, so she's in a startup. She's in Siberia in this game. <laughs> oh, uh, which of course is the cyber realm that this startup. And so the thing that was surprising to me about it as I was playing, I started getting all these little like experience pop ups on the side of the screen, and it would you know it would be like headshots or you know. Uh, like translating skill level two. And I'm like, mm. what on earth? Like you, I would, I would read some sort of Greek murals and it would be like Greek translation upped. And I, and I'm like, what on earth is this? like, what is this game? It turns out this game has like a really big uh, kind of skill and crafting and experience system. You like, you can hunt animals and skin them and craft stuff out of them. You up your skill levels in all different areas. You apply skill points to different skill trees. Okay, is any of this stuff good? I do. Or is it there because every I, game has that stuff? Okay, so say, it had a, turns out it's a game yeah, that's made this I year. I know, right? <laughs> it felt really bad at first because, in the context of the hyper linear, um, like cinematic uh, set piece introduction it felt completely extraneous because i was i was like this is so stupid what's the point of having these skills if all i'm doing is going through quarters but then you reach a point in the game where you basically have you you, you're in essentially like a big hub area in this snowy siberian uh kind of wasteland and you're finding stuff and you're completing objectives in it and you're hunting and you're building up your like you 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 have to go back you essentially lose all your weapons and everything and you have to just make a bow from scratch using wood that you that you reclaim from you know trees in the in the area make a and reclaimed like, yeah, bow <laughs> it's an artisanal bow and it actually <clears throat> felt really cool like it felt really awesome to be in this incredibly harsh environment and be like man i don't have a gun i don't have anything i am starting with just a crappy bow and a limited number of arrows and mm. i have to fashion more arrows and I have to make this bow better and like, you know, obviously acquire more stuff over time, but it actually really kind of justified itself for me because so, you know, so many games do well, actually I don't know as much anymore, but definitely there was a trope for a while of the sort of Metroid. I'm sitting here thinking about Metroid. You, yeah. <clears throat> with all of your equipment and abilities yeah. and then take it all T- away and have to build it back you, up. Yeah. And this combines that structure with the sort of modern, um, pseudo open world like experience crafting stuff and it actually feels to me like a clever it feels i don't know i like it so far anyway and i actually don't know if the to- previous tomb raider game was like this or not i don't think and it so i was. feel very ignorant you should you pretty should sure do, it was not you should do a run where you deliberately subvert and like invert your hierarchy of needs and don't ever craft anything else but get really fucking good at greek translation <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I'm because I'm me, of course, I have to go and like track down all of the stuff to be translated. You're reading in any so many area. tapestries so, yeah. and shit. Well, now, so in Siberia, there's like a bunch of stuff about uh, Mongolian, like historical Mongolian invasion and so on. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the stuff you translate is in Mongolian. So that's the thing I've been leveling up, but I've totally leveled up my Mongolian. So 
translation. That's sick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've leveled up my Mongolia and could refer to your party member yeah. or yep. your translating skill. <laughs> yep. Or both. Yep. Hmm. My yeah, Mongolian no, you... is high level and I can talk to him really well. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You gotta you gotta you gotta do both. Before you mentioned Metroid, I was thinking that if they actually made like a new Metroid Prime game today, that's exactly what they would do. Is they would just make they would just ha- they would rip everything away from Samus, and then she would just have to like walk around and like smash enemies and take them back to her ship and like build up her weapons. Like that's just every game now. Of course they would do that. So yeah. it makes sense to me that like yep yeah more like the- mine droid, more like craft droid. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much more like that. Yeah. Yeah. So So would you recommend this game at this point? It seems like a good a, I think a good so. game. Yeah, I'm I, I like it so far. Good for video sure. game. Yeah. yeah. I I mean just <clears throat> because of, of just realities of available time, I haven't I don't think I've played enough of it to ha- make any kind of overarching judgment. But I But, but my first impression seems pretty strong. Yeah. Well my yeah, well, my initial <clears throat> first impression was like confused and sort of negative. Um and and then it and then as it I feel like it sort of made it explained itself. In that a was way actually that my I, arc with uh, Deus Ex Three. I was really oh, yeah. like, I liked mm, the first yeah. part of that, but then when it actually turned into, when it revealed itself to be not a hallway, I was happier. Right. Yeah. 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 That I've, that seems to be that's definitely a thing in the la- in like sort of the last generation of games. I think where there's been a renewed interest in these sort of opened up player verb sets and large kind of free more free structures, but you know, it's also, I guess, still difficult to internally make the case. It's when hard to put people a, right in the middle of the map and say, yeah. trust that it will be cool. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, I don't really remember the original Tomb Raider, like, essentially, like, what the balance of that game was. How much combat does this game contain? Like, what, <clears throat> you know, is there is there, like, it's, a stealth system? Like, can you I mean, get around any of that stuff? Or do you have to kill a million say. dudes, I guess, is my question? You, you do have to... You There is combat. You do have to kill dudes. Um, but it's tough to say because the stuff I've played so far is so wildly different. You know, it started mm. off with all of this just kind of climbing and quick-time events and sort of shimmying across ledges things. And then I've I went through some sections that are just kind of... Uh, the kind of um, uh, Prince of Persia version of Tomb Raider where it's all kind of environmental puzzles and jumping around and stuff. And, you know, I love that. And then once it opened up into the hub area, there was a lot of this other stuff that is neither combat nor sort of platformy stuff. Um, But then sprinkled in there were numerous combat encounters. Mm. Um, And then there was a, encounter with a fucking bear in a cave that like was actually quite intense because it just thunders at you and if it catches you like you're pretty much dead and all you have is a crappy bow um that was pretty cool i mean that was actually like have you found any additional tombs i have definitely found some tombs and in like indiana jones and the Last Crusade style, you just wreck those two. Like, I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no care paid to the sanctity of this tomb. Uh, you, it like, is fucking well, rated. It is yeah, I was, rated. Yeah, I was gonna say you're sort of in it's for absolutely it. Absolutely, you, you, yeah, yeah, you signed up for that. Yeah, I don't mean just like looting it. I mean like this tomb is gone now. You know, like there's it's classic that. What Lara Croft is actually collecting is the last memory of what these tombs were like. <laughs> That's it. It belongs in a museum of my mind. My mind. <laughs> this tomb will die with me. <laughs> yeah, I like it though. I'll play more of it. Cool. Yeah. Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's cool, I think. Nice. <laughs> I mean, nice. it's just, you know, again, I've had so many, there's so many different like versions of this game that I've already played just inside yeah. this game, <clears throat> but it feels like the one that it, it feels like the the one that I'm in now is the the real one, and the other stuff was like getting. We'll there. see. We'll see when you when your guy levels back up. My guy. Yeah. <laughs> when you're when, she's a guy now. Whatever. Yeah. It's a video game. Yeah. <laughs> um. When when your Lara levels up, and when you start finding those 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 big tombs that are full of dudes, and you have three guns at the end of the game. We'll see what you... True. And lots of Mongolian scrolls. So so many scrolls. 
you'll just be hot translating left and right, like th- shoot three guys, decode three scrolls. All you just- unlock a Kimbo translation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Dual wielding your mole skins. <laughs> also skinning two moles <laughs> and making a wallet. Make a stupid hip notebook that you. <laughs> you skin a mole and make a moleskin. Actually, it's not made out of the skin of moles. <laughs> but in a pinch. Anyway, Nick, you played XCOM 2, the game that I talked myself out of playing, even though yeah. I want to badly. I talked myself out of playing it for maybe a day or two and yeah. then just relented. Um how photoreal are those aliens in XCOM 2? They're, you, They're like way more you would than not last believe time. that they yeah. aren't real, Jake. Uh, <laughs> what, they look like a photo of an alien? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So they're like kind of fuzzy and indistinct. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah they're just sort of like. Else? Yeah, it's like signs. You see like a foot every now and then, just right. like in the corner yeah, of a doorway. That's a terrifying way to make a strategy game. It. <laughs> it's just like the, the XCOM cinematic <laughs> mode where just. Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. Your guy just always goes behind a wall, and you see the flash yeah. of some muzzles, and you're just it, tells, shooting it, it tells you if you hit or missed. <laughs> right, yeah, you're just target shadows, basically. <laughs> anyway, um, what, is, what is XCOM 2 for reals? Uh, it's a sequel to XCOM, which is the wow. Fraxis game that is based on the old XCOM games of, I guess, just tactical strategy, um, based around Alien Invasion. This game is weird. Uh, well, So... I didn't. I did the classic thing that I always do, which is I skip the intro cutscene and then watch every succeeding cutscene because I'm completely confused as to what the actual story is at that point. But it's really weird. Like, it starts out, I guess, where the aliens. I can't tell if it's a retcon. I think I heard somebody say it's a retcon. Huh. But basically, you're now in the position of. Like, in the original game, you were playing as kind of like a secret organization that was, what, ostensibly, God, I don't know, just trying to resist like the alien a, invasion was, yeah, outside like global, the... Me- right. It was, yeah, it was like a like a, like a like weird a ad hoc, like, global... Super governmental. Yeah, you know, extra governmental. Extra like governmental, a shadow government, like, yeah, council cabal, or some garbage yeah. thing. Um, now, I guess you lost... And that, that, like, are you was, a ragtag group? You're a ragtag group. Oh man, Jake in a weird like spaceship that you fly around, uh, that you stole Wait, so from what's aliens. The, retcon? the fact that you lost, or um, I don't I mean, know. It's not well, really I, a retcon. That it's not a retcon. Most ex-con so players. humans have lost so, this fight millions of times and won it a couple of times. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's counted as a net loss for humanity. <laughs> XCOM One was. We lost so many guys. I think. This is this is stupid because I could just read the Wikipedia the page. Translation did not help <laughs> us. <laughs> I could just read the Wikipedia Wikipedia page and actually know what the story of this stupid game is. But I feel like what it actually is is that at the end of the first game you won, but then there was some like weird thing where because you won using alien DNA or something to like create like a weird hybrid thing, now that race has just become. Like they like the aliens essentially like this genetically sound, subverted this does not sound humanity. that relevant to what XCOM two is. <laughs> um <laughs> what? I mean it kind of is in that like But like you move guys around turn to turn and then sure. you shoot a gun and, all and that you stuff miss is an alien. Fine. And all you that die. stuff is fine. But what I'm saying is you're a ragtag group. <laughs> you're flying around in a spaceship now. Okay, do you want me and, to read you the Wikipedia Yeah, summary? actually, I would okay. be very interested. The game is set in 2035, 20 years after the events of XCOM Enemy okay, Within. Okay, so it is, yeah. Enemy with XCOM takes place in 2015? Mm-hmm. We're you mean last year, the events Chris. Of XCOM. That was a strange move. Uh, in a scenario in which humanity was defeated by aliens, XCOM proved Shit. incapable of attenuating the alien threat and was quickly betrayed by the Council Nations, who surrendered to the aliens shortly after the invasion began. Oh, so it was politics. Mm. XCOM became nothing more than a resistance force and went off the radar to avoid persecution at the hands of aliens. Most of its members either submitted to alien rule and left behind their past, or some, like Central Officer Bradford, refused the alien, alien administration Bradford. and went into hiding. Earth is now controlled by the aliens Central through the puppet Advent administration, and XCOM has been long forgotten, members' silence and records erased. Advent has done much to gradually improve public opinion of aliens, most notably by the propagation of the belief that the aliens came in peace and the forces of Earth retaliated aggressively and with prejudice. This is presumed to have happened right after the player researches MECs as... Okay, well... Anyway. The player, again, assumes the role of the commander, etc. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's the, I guess that's the relevant sentence. Yeah. The player, again, is a commander of yeah, troops that shoots aliens. The entire summary could have been shortened to, the player, again, resumes the role of commander. <laughs> right. Hopefully though, someone, someone with, with a cigar screamed into a video screen at a bunch of world leaders, you sold us out, you betrayed us, and then it said <laughs> XCOM 2 faded up uh, as like a cigar is extinguished. Right, yeah. <laughs> it probably then, did. I hit a huge-ass square guns shot an alien in the face. Yeah. And, and maybe you did or did not hit that. Probably, probably right before it fades out, you see like the face of the UN Secretary General or whatever, and then his eye glints in a weird way that suggests he's an alien. Right, or like right, a strange yeah, exactly. shadow just is seen hitting the windows of all of those UN people. Uh, <laughs> That's all the alternate way to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas they re- they realize too late their tragic mistake. Yeah, they. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the, the phone so, call had is someone else there? Is are you are you talking to someone else? <laughs> just, no, what? And then you sort of hear a dish clatter in the background, and then it says XCOM two. <laughs> yeah, so there's it's probably a, like that. There's not a subtitle. It's uh, not XCOM two XCOM betrayed. No, there is no there is no like subtitle. I'm very. I know. I'm really I, I love that there's it. not. I'm glad that there's not. Hopefully, um, actually, it just has the guy that says RoboCop two say XCOM two <laughs> in the opening <laughs> cinematic that you skipped. Uh, but yeah, this game is weird. I mean, it's relevant to bring this stuff up because the experience of playing this game for the first time, maybe my memory of the first XCOM is garbage at this point. Maybe maybe I'm just used to kind of starting that game up mm-hmm. and just ignoring everything and hitting escape sure. a thousand times and getting into the game. But this game feels like... I mean, there was a pretty heavyweight introduction to that game because you played through that entire tutorial mission that yeah. set up all the story. Right, which is what I expected with this game. Yeah. Uh. After maybe, I don't know, an hour of playing this game, I still felt like I was doing tutorial missions and huh. getting hit with cutscenes and like still learning kind of the basics of this game. It's really strange. There are, there are things about this game that are really good. Um, like, I guess primarily, in my opinion, like the, the concealment mechanic, which is totally new. Uh, like when you're <clears throat> moving your guys around on the tactical field, usually in, in the original game, the aliens would sort of get the jump on you every time simply because you don't know where they are. They're hidden behind the fog of war and you're running around and you just run into them and you go, oh shit. And Do you then hit they... your own fog? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> you basically get your own fog where now if, if you detect them before they detect you, you can see um, the grid space that they can, like that their their vision, huh. right? And so every turn they sort of walk on a patrol and that grid moves but what it does is it allows you to sort of get into position and kind of plan like, oh, they're probably going to walk over here now. So now I can line up all my guys, um, you know, get my sniper in position or whatever, and then like basically pull off an ambush. It's really good. It makes you feel like, I don't know, you actually have some kind of control over, you know, the situation of the battle. Whereas before it was just, oh, shit, I'm all constantly falling oh, into so, the trap of these, right. these aliens. So you missed in the opening cutscene where they were talking about how they're a ragtag group. But now mm. the tables have turned because we have something they don't expect. Right. Says, the element like, of surprise. Says like female second in command <laughs> military person who yeah. reveals some sort of weird box that lets you hide from an alien. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, <laughs> so using that box, uh, <laughs> the XCOM. Uh, yes, the XCOM. The XCOM box. Um, the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> using this Xbox technology, <laughs> we can use this to directly place soldiers into the scene. We call it the direct Xbox. <laughs> it's former XCOM technology. Using this supercomputer <laughs> that we've recovered from China only on PC. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The anyway. real Direct Xbox, yeah. your Windows computer. <laughs> anyway, Nick. Anyway, what, what, let's yeah. hear about the gameplay of XCOM Two. Um, well, I mean, you know, uh, to the point at which I've I played about three hours of the game, it still feels a lot like XCOM. They've done some sort of minor tweaks and adjustments to the way that you know um, the sort of underlying mechanics work. There, there are just more things you can do within a given uh, round. Like if a guy has a primary weapon and a pistol. Um, now it's, you no longer have to like switch between those two things, you know, sort of like just little tweaks to the game that just make it easier and, and, and less gross to play. That being said, I wish that there were a couple of things that they did address because it feels like, um, like I brought up the, the story for, for a reason, which is that the first couple hours of this game is a lot of like the game kind of basically like this, the sort of, uh, overworld map equivalent of the game showing you what you need to do and then pulling the camera back to where you are and then saying now go click on that thing 
that happens both in the tactical game a lot and then also in the new sort of overworld map strategic layer strategic layer which um is totally different now you don't well it's not totally different really but uh in the previous game you were you sort of picked a, a a region of the world that you were sort of responsible for um and then um i guess we're just being constantly bombarded by the aliens now you're this weird uh, uh ragtag group in a spaceship that flies around and you're effectively doing the same thing but um the it's it's almost more like a board game now where there are, where there are huh. icons laid around the map that represent different missions and things that you can complete um and so and because your ship takes time to move from one region to the other you're sort of balancing between the like cost of moving from one mission to the other and right. and kind of deci- making decisions based on the amount of time it's going to take to get to this thing or that thing does it end up finding does it end up feeling to you mm-hmm. more like you are on a strategic offensive in this game because XCOM t- XCOM the original it very much was like you said, you pick a region and then you're sort of just like mm-hmm. fighting a war of attrition in that area and uh, holding out as much as you possibly can. Yeah. more or less. It does, it, this sounds more like you're. Yeah, they flipped it now. It's it's it's, it's effectively like yeah, you ha- you're on they the have the, the thing where you can to... hide and have the upper yep. hand and where you're sort of warming. Now you've through. just lost, so now yeah, I mean, you may as well go out the you're offensive. You're the guerrilla yeah. force. So yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, which is this, cool. This I'm, actually really like, just hearing you talk about this actually makes me desperately want to play this game because I'm just imagining the things I liked about. XCOM in the broad strokes, but just being implemented in a different way, mm-hmm. both in terms of the differences in the tactical view that you um, enumerated with the concealment stuff, as well as just a different structure yeah. on the strategic view. And so I'm just like, well, it, like yeah. if this game can just sort of hit <clears throat> the same like pleasure centers in my brain, but in a novel way. Like, yeah, well, no, I mean, lot. like all of the. Um you know, soldier classes are completely different, although kind of the same. You know, I mean, they've changed it up enough to where it's no longer familiar, but is, you know, it, it, there's still a sniper, you sure. know, I mean, but, yeah. but all of the abilities are different. And, you know, they've done they've done enough to refresh yeah. it where it feels like a justifiable, mm-hmm. like, new thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I probably haven't played enough to give it, like, a full take, but the... Um, this is the half-takes episode. This is the half-take episode but i feel like uh i'm gonna really enjoy this game and then there are just a few weird like aesthetic things that just bother mm-hmm. me which is that you no longer have like the cool underground base that you can just sort of burrow into it's this spaceship that you fly around that has a finite amount of space yeah. that you can build on you don't get to graft yeah. extra weird lumpy rooms to make uh, it look like a, I like love a that. rebellion command ship from star wars or something where you no. just have a blob pod yeah i want to i want to make the glob pod but it's just it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird thing where you have to like You've got this spaceship and it's got some junk in it, so you got to clear out the junk and then build a room in it. Right, <laughs> which right, is right. just kind of like, eh. yeah. But but other than that, it's You're really not making a like Captain Forever, right? Just space frigate. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean oh, well. there, there are just a few things like that, and it's kind of weirdly buggy and 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 not like I've, I I thought it was just my PC, but a lot of people went online and said that. Mm. They went on the internet, went online. I sound like I'm in 1997, but anyway, they uh, you surf the net. A I bit. surf the net. I, a lot I of went people on have the, been posting on the internet. Yeah, that um, that it's sort of um, strangely unoptimized, and they're just you know, just weird things like you'll hit a, a a thing that just takes forever to load, and it's it just doesn't run as clean as the original game. Um, uh, so that's kind of disappointing. But other than that, it's it's. I'm glad that they pushed a big reset button on the sort of underlying mechanics, and then still use the same theme. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 essentially like if they just took a lot of design meetings from X, the original mm-hmm. XCOM and said like, what if we did this thing instead of this thing? Right. And went okay, that's what we're doing. I with mean, this that's, game, and that's that's cool. That is that is like what Firaxis does basically, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. If yeah. You look at the history of. Sid Meier's Civilization, mm-hmm. or yeah, just sort of the Sid much. Meier formula yeah. generally, or not formula, but like the Sid Meier approach generally. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it's I have not, to, they're not building on top of the thing. Usually, they're they're sort you, of tearing you, it down just a little you bit. You feel and the then tape being rewound, yeah. and then, then yeah. going back to that exactly. one design yep. meeting yeah. where they just said, "Do we go left or right?" And it's like, "Well, this time let's go left and see exactly. where that yeah, takes yeah, us yeah. instead." Yep. Yeah, that's interesting though. I mean, that's a really cool approach to doing sequels because the. I mean, that's why I think that's one of the reasons every Civilization game release feels like an event Mm -hmm. even even for the ones that like don't hit as big when there's a new civilization game it always feels like okay this is like a big this is a big deal right you know and i i think it it is because they 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 question enough assumptions that it doesn't just feel like 
the def- okay, yep, no, new civilization, 2016, you know. Yeah. Um, this time, 50% more units and the art's better or whatever. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I just going to say? Oh, yeah, I have to admit, like, as, you know, a long-time PC gamer, it did feel kind of cool to see that someone was making oh, yeah. a really high-budget, well-produced PC exclusive because, I mean, we're definitely in an era where the sort of landscape of gaming across all platforms is pretty amazing generally. Um, and PC gets, does get a lot of unique stuff, um, but usually on the, the, the it's sort not, of, it's not at this scale right now. Exactly. Usually on the, the sort of more modest, unless you're sitting in a cockpit. That's true. true. You're in a cockpit. You're getting the most indulgent shit imaginable on PC from all angles. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure this game will come to consoles eventually anyway. It's it's been selling incredibly well. So I, I, yeah, I actually really wish that it had, um, I mean, the nice thing about it is that they've, it's um, cool that they're not sim shipping. I mean, I wonder if they looked at XCOM one and went, you know, we could probably just let this simmer on PC for a few months and then whatever it ends up being, that can go onto a console, you know? Right. Because for Axis, the other thing for Axis definitely does is like the big expansion pack that sort of rebalances everything. The knobs all get tuned a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that hits consoles. If the console one comes with the first first one or two big DLCs at Christmas or something. Yeah. I, I can see some reasons why maybe they 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 might you know they at least initially decided not to because they've added enough controls during the tactical game that it would be a little difficult playing with the controller. Like I wanted to play um, on my TV um, so that um, Janelle could watch while I play. Um, yeah. She was interested in just like looking over my shoulder, and so I I tried to play it with a controller, but it doesn't actually have native gamepad support. Right, I saw so that. I, that's crazy. Yeah, so I played with the Steam controller. Is um, there are there any good community Steam controller mappings yet? Uh, there are a couple, although it didn't work correctly. Like I would load one up and then go into the game, and like that mapping didn't work. It was really oh, kind of it was kind of a bummer. But um, the default mapping <laughs> also, is there will probably be some that bubble up. I would imagine. Yeah, I it was a little frustrating getting it to work, but um and then once I did I realized like ugh, even the default one doesn't quite it's just there are too many controls sure. and it just ugh. Um it was not a good experience. But yeah, it's a weird thing. It's like I thought Got Yeah, that. I was really happy that it was like you know, exclusively on PC and that they were just gonna blow it out yeah. and everything, but then there are just really there are some strange bugs and just yeah, things that are sort bad. of half complete, like things that I don't really care about, but it's just really weird, like you go to the engineering bay and they have this super high detailed model of a of an engineer who's like, "Hey, how you doing?" Except like her mouth doesn't move. There's a little portrait at the top right of, of the screen that just like you know flashes a weird like you know low frame rate thing huh. with a with a scratchy like they just clearly didn't have time or right. resources to animate so her at all. It's not a bug. It's just it's they, not a bug. It's just like made a, cutting made corners like left and right. And yeah. yeah, two different choices from two different teams could have also evolved concurrently. Mm-hmm. Where it's like <laughs> we're not going to really represent the yeah. characters, and then the people who made the characters were like, you know, I really do think we should represent the characters. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Look um, how close we can get the camera to this character's face and it still holds up. <laughs> so, the thing, about, I want to quickly go back to the thing about controllers really quickly yeah, sure. because at, just as a game developer, that is completely fascinating to me mm. because it is so rare to have that opportunity these days. Like, right. I'm to not saying, have to support a gamepad? Yes, and I'm yeah. not saying that that is good on balance like just objectively for everyone, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Because unless you're making a game that is so completely and utterly only feasible on PC, not, not just because of the hardware, but just because of the audience and everything else. And I'm talking about like, for instance, paradox grand strategy games Mm -hmm. like crusader Kings or hearts of iron, right? Like realistically it would be a waste of everyone's time involved to put that on consoles just because realistically you're like it, all the things you'd have to do wouldn't make sense on that platform. Right? right. Like no judgment on anything. Just like realistically, that's the case. XCOM is not necessarily like that. Like you can, I mean, as we saw from XCOM one, like you can clearly make that game work on console. And that's what yep. makes it crazy that they didn't because even shipping games on PC these days, a PC is such a like, moldable piece of hardware you can make it be anything you want you can basically make it be a console right and put it in your living room in a little in a small case and put a controller on it or you can attach a steam link to it and have it streamed to your tv you know you can basically treat it like a console if you want to and so if you're a game developer even if you're making a pc first game 
it's just kind of a given that it's like, okay, well, we have to, we it's have to also going to be a console game yeah, for most people at this it, point. Exactly. Yeah. And so it like, I mean, even working on Firewatch, which is not a game that has like probably a fifth of the inputs that XCOM two has based on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it still is really, really challenging to design a unified UI and input system. And that takes into account that is like equally appropriate with mouse and keyboard and with controllers, and these days with multiple controllers, a Steam mm-hmm. controller and a PS4 Right, with a weirdo Steam controller. <laughs> yeah, and so um, just thinking about how different and freeing that must have felt for them mm-hmm. to be like, we're actually just making a straight-up PC game, that is just really interesting. And again, I'm not saying it's like better yeah. objectively for like the consumer or anything, but it is an, a really interesting thing to think about, and I bet it made development of that game feel very different. Well, you know, it probably also spiraled out into other decisions as well because this game is fucking hard. Oh yeah. From the first mission. Oh man. Like having played a ton of the original XCOM, I went in thinking like, "Oh, there's going to just be like the tutorial level and I'll sort of get my feet under me. I'll play on the you know, the second of two difficulty levels uh-huh. and I'll probably just this will be a cakewalk. This is going to be whatever." Jesus Christ, I got crushed. Oh, and man. like I have a feeling that this game was made specifically for people who played the original game we, in a way that I don't know if it would have been had it was had it be like right, a sequel right. specifically we also actually, for we, all we, platforms and you know something. We talked about hoping. this a little bit when we were talking about Fallout 4 too, that it feels like one, this is a, mm. XCOM is a, XCOM 2 is a sequel to XCOM, obviously, and Fallout 4 is a sequel to Fallout 3. Mm-hmm. But also I think you can look at the crazy multi-axis uh, on Steam of, like, what the hell are people playing? Like, what are people playing in general right now that would be interested in XCOM? And it is things, like, on one weird axis, you do have, like, the Paradox Grand Strategy stuff, and on another axis, you have things like Dark Souls. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the example that I gave last time, but, I mean, I, I think that it's probably, it is probably an easier decision right now yeah. to say people are actually playing stuff that's hard. Like yeah. hard games that actually yeah, challenge sure. the shit out of you are selling. We're in a moment for that. For sure. I mean, it's yeah. been a long... Well, well, I wouldn't say a moment. I mean, I think we're in a era yeah. I mean, even to the, right to the now point where that's that you're, I think you're playing a Tomb Raider game that strips a whole bunch of stuff and puts you in a survival yeah. situation. Like, sure. People are just into that right now. Yeah, yeah. and I think specifically cool. with XCOM, they probably looked at just kind of the uh, the things that people were sharing about that game and like actually talking about it. And, and the conversation was always around like, oh, my guys died. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, shit, uh, right. Jake, I made thing, Jake and the, he died. The, the, I've already and that's hilarious. XCOM like, was how wrecked you get exactly, playing that game. Right? And yeah. so I think it's an obvious choice to just even push that further. I mean, and they, they did bump up the customization of all the characters as well. You know, like that. Oh, it's like right. the, game awesome. is, so now, the game is like specifically right, designed to like make... Making a guy that you care about and then he's just going to get fucking wrecked by an alien in the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, in the first few days of that game being out, I already saw like epic Twitter oh, yeah. storify stories telling the tale of you oh, know man. their squad, and then I saw there was already a, like a movement I saw persuading people to try and like on their first playthrough of the game go in on like veteran mode or whatever the most difficult mm-hmm. mo- hardcore mode or whatever. Like I yeah. saw a sort of. I mean, thread of that. Just <laughs> just to give you an idea, like if you remember at the in, in the first XCOM. By the end of the game, those little, like, sectoid alien guys could control your players. Like, they could use, like, mind control to, like, take control of your, of yeah. your, of your guys. They can do that from the first level in this game, and they <laughs> do it the second they see you. Right. Like, I mean, like, I play, well, like, on, sec- on the second mission, I just walked around. That must uh, pair with the concealment system that you, you must have to really, like. You've got to really, yeah. like, take them out fast. That also, uh, that, that. And there's, cause there's no other way to counter it yeah. in the early game. With the, with the sort of, th- like, thematic, like, the, sort of story and premise changes that also feels really good in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Just like if you're like this is the highest risk shit that, that people have attempted inside of the sort of construct of this world. It makes sense that right off the bat, the first thing you're going to see as a player of this game is your guy's brain being ripped away from him by an alien. Like, <laughs> Pretty that's, much, that's yeah. That's an interesting, yeah. That is also an interesting thing to think about in the context of a sequel because that, generally speaking, in video games that are sort of challenge-driven, a sequel means we've the the plot continues, but we still reset the challenge curve mm-hmm. to to easier the right, exactly. same way we did in the first yeah. game. Basically, even if the like knowledge curve mm-hmm. starts, assuming you know stuff from the first game, the challenge curve still e- eases you yeah. into it. Um, and it's it's interesting to think about. I mean, I'm sure they didn't literally start with the game being as hard as the last level, like the final stages of X no. One, but it is interesting to think about there being more continuity there. 
um, between the two games, because that that is also just an unusual, like, you think about an RPG, right? A, a big, epic RPG where your characters become incredibly powerful, and then in the next game, you're still, like, just fighting bullshit at the beginning, because you're level yeah. one. You yeah. know, like, it's, um, I don't know, it's, 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 that's, you've made me really want to play this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. You guys, uh, want, what, you got more? No, I don't, I've got nothing. Next Shall two. we take a break? Yeah. All right. Break video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Postmates. Postmates is a courier service that uses the internet to send all kinds of goods or foods from a store to your door. Nice. Yeah, how about that? Uh, they, you can download the Postmates app and use the promo code THUMBS for a free first delivery from like just all kinds of businesses in your area. When we first were sponsored by Postmates, we hypothesized that if you live in the San Francisco area, you might use it to order a hilarious old time diner food from a hilarious old time like a hamburger 50s, stand. It's a hamburger stand. Hamburger stand, yeah, called Whizburger, which is near the old Idle Thumbs studio. It turns out our buddy the gun run Yum. of twitch.tv frequently uses postmates to order whiz burgers this is like <laughs> we, this is already a thing in san francisco and we had no idea he already has the whiz burger delivered to his yeah. home or office yep but so it, you don't need to live in san francisco and you no, don't need you don't. to order from whiz burger no but i feel like it's a good example of how to use this service to its fullest you can download the postmates app on itunes or android Enter the code THUMBS, get a free first delivery. You'll get your stuff in under an hour. I went on there and searched for Whizburger, and it was on there, which blew my mind. Um, so <laughs> Postmates, use the offer code THUMBS for a free first delivery. Valentine's Day is this weekend. It's true. You yep. have very few days to get your Valentine's plan into action this episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Pro Flowers, and they will send flowers on your behalf to anyone, really. Most traditionally to someone with whom you're romantically entangled, but you could get creative. Nick Brecken. Send them to your dad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean send them to your dad. <laughs> your, Nick Brecken. <laughs> if you go to proflowers.com, click the microphone in the top right corner, and type in the offer code THUMBS, you will be presented with various deals. For instance, for just $29.99, a dozen red roses and a glass vase, and for a $9.99 upgrade, those roses, the vase, you get chocolates, and you get a spa kit. Uh, we actually have the glass vase with the long stem uber romantic roses they look very nice sitting on our studio uh recording table in between the three of us if uh, you sense something in the air uh be between yeah. the host of all thumbs <laughs> this week sense an electricity <laughs> an amorous energy if you will uh it is these they're they're really beautiful we've had them in the office for like a week now and they're still still looking good proflowers.com you click that microphone you put in the offer code thumbs oh also this came with a box of chocolates that I stole it and didn't tell anyone. I took it home and ate them with Sarah. So, <laughs> How romantic. <laughs> but so there, there were some that came with it, but I ate them. I bet they were really good, Chris. They were. Proflowers.com. Click that microphone. Enter offer code THUMBS. Look really smart and capable this Valentine's Day. Or steal your friend's chocolates <laughs> yeah. if they bring them to the office. Video games. And we're back. Hey. Oh. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Man, uh, th this was something that, that I remembered when we were recording the last segment that I just didn't have a way to bring up. Wait, but, XCOM or Flowers? But, uh, it's kind of neither. But uh, <laughs> someone mentioned like surfing the net. It might have been me. And I remembered this like amazing video that I saw the other day that was uh, from, I think, 1990. Oh, I know what you're going to play because I think I posted it up. I'm assuming that this is that future that PBS show. Uh, I don't know. It was about a an internet cafe on Hate Street in San oh, Francisco. Okay. We're talking about different, which videos. is like <laughs> which is like two blocks away from me. Mm. And it was a, a local news report from the early 
90s about the Horseshoe Cafe, mm. which had a uh, had, had internet access and may have been the country's first internet cafe. Oh, wow. Cafe. Oh, crazy. It had already been open for a while when this news report uh, went up. And it was a really cool thing to watch. If, I, if you search for uh, the Horseshoe Internet Cafe, I found this article on hoodline.com, which is the local blog for the neighborhood where I live. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a really crazy thing to see. It talked about like San Francisco's young hate street teens. Oh they man, were wearing like just incredibly nineties clothing. It was that's awesome, very man. Incredible. Okay, I was thinking of a different video from the mid nineties about the internet and about emerging technology, and I I think I should play a little bit of it for you, Chris. Oh sure. Where we will spend the rest of our lives. There comes a time in all our lives when we begin to wonder exactly what is this thing called reality. <laughs> For me, right now, reality is the fact that I am Jeff Goldblum, host of Future Quest, doing the opening of this episode on virtual reality. Now, if this were virtual reality, it would be almost the same, except completely different. You'd experience me as being here, but I wouldn't actually be here. And yet, on various levels, what? I would be. Uh, that is, I'd be virtually right here. Are you following this? Virtual reality is the technology for moving through and interacting with the three-dimensional computer-generated <laughs> environment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's Jeff Goldblum introducing wow. a like mid-90s PBS special on virtual reality, where he yeah. is inside multiple cascading televisions. Well, look that up. What should people search for to find that? Uh, I guess just Jeff Goldblum. Search for Jeff, Gold, Jeff Goldblum Future Quest. Yeah. The video on YouTube is called Future Quest Clip. <laughs> Dot MPEG. <laughs> <laughs> Dot move. Yes, it's future underscore quest dot AVI. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that that was a good opening to the reader mail segment. That was. That mm-hmm. was the best, the best opening that I can imagine, Jake. Danielle Charles writes, hey there. Oh man, oh man, I hope I'm the first one to say this, but if it's old news, feel free to disregard. I'm a new reader and I've been listening back through old podcasts I'd never heard. I just hit episode 43 in which Chris does the condescending nerd voice for quite a while as he describes a fan-suggested firefighter game. I chuckled to myself for a while as he described playing as a fireman, calling in orders, and non-firefighting tasks done in the meantime because the longer he goes on, the more similarities with Firewatch I keep hearing. It's not quite the same game, but I was struck by what I heard. The best part is as the summary wraps up, Jake speaks up over the guys laughing about how he would totally play that game. Fuck both of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And I laughed. Much love, Danielle, a.k.a. Juna. Uh, P.S. Sorry if this is redundant. For all I know, this is common knowledge, and that's exactly where the idea for Firewatch came from. And I'm the one out of the loop. Nope, it is not. It is not, Danielle. It is not. I've heard a couple of people refer to that firefighting oh, really? game email. I haven't seen that mentioned That's in a while. I think the, the firefighting game, as discussed that. On, that, on that episode, was a lot more mechanically focused than, yes. than Firewatch is. But uh, whatever. I would still also play that game. Yeah. <laughs> um, me too. Good. Nop from Thailand writes, Hi, Thumbs. Long-time listener, first-time writer. Since you guys were talking about Bridge a couple podcasts ago, I thought this news would be interesting to you. Basically, the police in Thailand raided a bridge club thinking it was a gambling den. The game perplexed them, and they couldn't charge the elderly players with gambling, so they charged the group with an antiquated law about processing more than 120 cards. <laughs> Here's Nop's note from Thailand. Good. Yep. And then he links a, uh, he links a news article from The Guardian. Uh, whose headline is how trumped up charges led Thai police to raid expat bridge club. <laughs> so, wow. There you go. Bridge. So cards Busting up that bridge. Got a lot of cards in here. Like. <laughs> there are, it is amazing how many old weird laws there just are in most places yeah. that just never get enforced, but also never got changed because they weren't important, but are still technically around. It's dumb and weird and good. Also kind of, Except when it, except when it ends up in actually yeah. arresting old people because they're playing bridge, that's right. probably not the best. Meredith Mallet writes, "Hey thumbs, I want to share this revelation I had during my witnessing today about the perfect companion app for this game. It's Snapchat. Snapchat has a built-in pen tool that lets you draw little notes directly onto your photos. Oh my god! Yeah." And I've started using it in place, of pe- in place of pen and paper to mark down the various puzzle solutions. I'll snap a picture of the little board and then wander off to find the answer, drawing it on my snap as I go along. I've attached a link to one of my snaps in question. It's the solution to one of the puzzles in one of the buildings in the small town area near the center of the island. The yellow one that's a door in the light brown building with the... Okay, well, 
I mean, she's describing the puzzle, but that's, yeah. that's fine. Um, uh, anyway, Meredith, that is brilliant. No, that's a really good idea. That yeah. is really, really clever. I, uh, the way that I have, um, oh, her link is broken. I can't look at her image. That's a bummer. Um, the way that I've been doing this is I draw the game board in pen and then I do my solutions mm. in pencil mm. and erase them and try again if I didn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been doing. I mean, it's incredibly inefficient, obviously. Uh, it's more efficient than what I do, which is just keep it all in my brain and just I, like it feels like just I did that mental for a, I torture. I did that for a long time, but yeah. it starts to become kind of oh, oh, I just, it hurts. I don't know how it much hurts. of that game you've played. I, do I played worst, a decent amount. I do okay. the worst thing. I just draw a grid out from scratch every single time I need to note down what a puzzle is. So I just have... I mean, I do that too, but but I but I do the solution part in pencil so I can erase it. Oh, I just draw it over and over and really? over. Really, you draw the same puzzle a bunch of times. I just times? draw over it. My well, like I have like three or four different pens and just oh, okay, ruin yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not the best. Yeah, someone should make a witness puzzle board whiteboard. I was thinking about that. <laughs> you could probably store that well on a thumbs that net. Get your witness puzzle solver. Yeah. yeah, man, the best one of those. Fuck, fucking being a whiteboard would be if it's the um. The where you draw with the plastic pen and it imprints down on like the, the dark gray cellophane and then you peel it up oh, man. to erase. <laughs> yes. Oh man. That's that's what I want. Yeah. Like a like road trip activity yeah. center witness solver. Yeah. I was thinking more like the magnet version. You know, the road trip do you remember you remember those like yeah, road yeah. trip games that you would have like the little Like a magnet doodle. Like the little well, no, like the like the little like flip book. Do you remember these? Like the little they were like plastic. But then they would like flip out, and they were like mini versions of like board games that had little, oh, okay, like little tiny magnets that yeah. you could just sort of place Ooh, on the gross. board. Oh, it was awful. Gross. Played a million of those. All right, so Ulf Hartelius writes. That is a good name. If that's your name, that's probably not. A lot of good names this week. Wrong. Yeah, true. Hi, thumbs. Um, the topic for this email is the discussion on camera and controls in first-person games you had in episode two hundred forty-eight. We had a very similar discussion in my office not long ago, given recent games like Gone Home and how they should be very accessible to people unaccustomed to modern games, but sometimes aren't because of the whole concept of mouse and keyboard or twin stick controls being so unintuitive at first sight. And to be fair, uh, arguably too advanced for the games you play them with. Way back in the 1990s, when 3D controls were still a big mystery no one really understood, a lot of games used what is commonly referred to as tank controls. Hitting left or right would make your character turn left or right instead of strafing, while hitting forward moved your character forward relative to her own direction. Not only third-person games like Resident Evil, but also pretty much all the classic first-person RPGs like Might and Magic did it this way. I'd argue that if this way of doing it had become the dominant trend, games would be less fast-paced, but maybe more accessible to casual players. I'd be curious to see games like Gone Home, The Witness, and Firewatch allow players to select this control setup. What is your tank on, take on tank controls? Oof, Hartelius. P.S. I also think mist-style clicking your way forward using discrete scenes would work wonders for games like Gone Home and The Witness if combined with a free or semi-free camera in each scene. It would Man. also allow those games to be in VR a lot more easily because you would not barf when the camera moves. True. That's true, yeah. I wonder what the... Although, um, as someone who obviously does play games... It would kill me to right, like, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. I, because I because I you just, just naturally watch the like, movement. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the um because I know that there was a uh, a real time 3D remake of Mist. Real Mist. Cyan real actually Mist. experimented with all of this stuff. Uh, Mist yeah. and and Uru, which was the Mist online game. Oh yeah. They were they like even though you could full traditional first person those games, they also had single button like they had mouse only controls where you could press a button that would not um. I don't think they did straight tank controls, but what they did was they just put a, a walk button on the mouse, so you could just mm. press a button that would move your guy forward, and then you'd move around with the mouse and let go to stop moving. And you could oh, also, I yeah. think, click on the ground to sort of like, it would then path your camera there on Got a curve, it. so you could just click where you wanted to go, and it would mist node to node you. Right. So you, Or you could hold the mouse button down and locomote, or you could use WASD. And I thought that was uh, a crazy combination. Uh, the, yeah. The... Um, Epic when they f- they when they first moved Unreal to iOS did a tech demo called Epic Citadel and it also oh, yeah. looked at a bunch of these things where they had, that's right it had the click and move it yeah. had you could put your thumbs in the bottom con- bottom corners of the iPad and that simulated dual stick or you could click to move or you could hold down and drag your finger around and mm-hmm. you, whenever your finger was held for an extended period of time your character would path mm-hmm. and I think they were very much trying to be like how can we take our tool set of first person games yeah. and make a game that a person on an iPad could play and it was all really interesting stuff that. I don't think anyone's really pursued. No. I mean, that that sort of click to where you want to go and then drag to look around seems like the sort of thing that 
that the witness would have to pursue if it went to iOS, right? Because that game as dual like dual thumbs well, on an iPad would be a disaster. Yeah, and it also seems like uh, that game especially would be able to support that because it has these stations that are sort of built into the game. It feels like it would be really fairly simple to say, like, if you're within this zone, focus the camera on the station then when you click away from this zone... Man, you can do a crazy gross thing where you place a billion of those station points all over the map. Ugh, yeah. But I mean, well, The Witness, it, you're free roaming then if you click, if you're like, it seems like if you're close enough to a puzzle panel and looking kind of at it when you enter puzzle mode, yeah. then it'll transition you into being framed, but... That's that's what I mean. Like, I feel like it could just do that. It, you could just tweak the, the, you know, the sort of bounds of that and it would it would probably yeah, be... It, yeah, but it'll... Uh, <sighs> I don't know specifically about tank controls in first person because yeah. I think... Those they, it it's true that it seems like they they make more sense and require less less like thinking and remapping of your brain to understand them. But they also are still really bad at letting people actually look where they want to look and stuff because it feels like people end up just snaking around everywhere. Uh, yeah. Um. I don't know. Maybe I think for people who do have trouble with twin stick, and again, it's really hard for me to put myself into this viewpoint because I. I'm so f- just as someone who plays a lot of games, I'm so fluid with mouse with strafe style mouse look and twin stick. But a, a thing I've noticed when, you know, when you make games and you show them to you play test them um, with people who don't play games as much, you notice that a, a thing they often do is they walk somewhere. Then they kind of look around. Yeah. Then they yeah. walk. So, you know, they're not doing what I'm doing, which is like always moving the camera all the time, looking in all directions because I'm... And then sort of counter-rotating exactly. against I'm the really look. Exactly. I'm really good yeah. at, like, strafing against what where I'm looking. That's just, like, a ridiculous thing, like, to do. Yeah. Um, Metroid Prime on the exactly. GameCube had single-stick yes. first-person, and it was well, Nick, weird. Nick, you talked about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Last I mean, week, and that's that's a good mom. example of it, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's a full... You know, I mean, that, they didn't really... Um, kind of restrain the level geometry in a way. Like, I mean, you know, there are there things you have to look at, like up in the top of a level, right? Mm-hmm. But and jump they designed, to I mean, yeah, and jump to is a very vertical game, right? But I think that the the thing that they did is they they still um took that stuff into account when there was a jumping puzzle, for instance, or something like that, where they kept it very. Well, didn't they also automatically adjust your look up and down on ledges and things like that? Like, well, they had the locking mechanism, so if you well, held locking, the Z, it would also, snap I think to. The game subtly framed your view when you were on a place where you clearly have to jump because it's a ledge. Like I remember that game, kind of. Um, I don't. I don't, I don't remember that at all. I mean, it, oh, okay. you, you might not be. You, I might have just not noticed it. My my memory is more that just a lot of the jumping puzzles would frame were just framed to. That's go what off, I mean. To go off into the, the distance and sort of snake around themselves, yeah. so you could. The see geometry them from far was. Away. Yeah. They but, just really took that that turn all, radius into account. It might be all of those things. Yeah. For, sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just took it into account with the level design, you know, in, in just a really smart way. Um so yeah, I don't know. I think uh yeah, I mean with third person games, I feel like there's not really third person games always because they're not representing any part of re- like the n- nobody walks in third person in life and so that is kind of odd and so that there's I feel like most many third person control schemes are sort of a like make the best of what we're of what we can do. Yeah. You know, whereas in first person I think it would be interesting to see some more just like straight up experimentation with this. And, you know, to your, because nobody strafes in real life either, Chris. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, really, you don't, you, no, you totally don't. No, you know, no. I mean, in, in real life, if you were just, if you, if you recorded the, the well, movement the thing, of somebody using the Vive, no, nobody would be like sure. counter strafing around a room. But people do people. If you're looking around a space and not walking forward, you don't strafe, but people's feet do crazy shit where like a foot will cross backwards yes, over a foot true. and then you'll take half a step backwards and you've mm-hmm. rotated yourself like a hundred degrees and you don't notice it because your upper body is tipped the opposite direction. Right. Like you do crazy shit as a I human mean, the, body. The thing that is but different, but it's, it's not. You're not just literally cir- like circle strafing. The yeah. thing, the thing that really <laughs> is the difference, and this is what all of these first person control methods have to try and solve, is that in life, when you turn, you know just intrinsically whether your intention is to turn your entire body or just to turn to rotate your neck. But when it or in, your eyes or just your eyes. Yeah. Whereas the game, if you say look left. The game doesn't know if you mean your entire body is rotating left, your upper body is rotating left, your neck is rotating left, or your eyes are just looking to the left. And so the game has to pick one. It just has to pick one basically mm-hmm. and say, that's how this game works. And then and there, I think there are games that 
in multiplayer, try and actually intuit that so that if you are looking left while going forward, the game is tries to figure out what your play, what your total. I remember, actually, like you're not actually strafing. They'll draw the guy yeah. running forward, but with the other well, body I remember, looking to the side. Yeah, I remember. God, maybe I'm just remembering Trespasser. But I'm pretty sure that game has some give in terms of if you turn the mouse to the mm-hmm. left, it's just moving your head up to a certain point, yeah, and then your shoulders start to rotate. A lot of uh, games do that yeah. a lot more yeah. as well now. Or not not a well, lot more, but ga- like, that's a thing that people try and invest yeah. in. And it's cool, but it only it's only a visual thing. Yeah. Like, the control yeah. scheme itself is not changing to... Yeah, to it's to it's basically bolting that. a really smart puppet on top of the exactly. same controls yeah. from yeah. As far as the controls, yeah. you have to just absolutely pick it. Like, this is a game where you strafe with left or right, or this is a game where you look with mm-hmm. left or right, and that's it. Um, and pretty much all modern games use the strafe method. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. The next email is crazy. Uh... Okay, so Bice Dibley writes, Hi Thumbs, I thought I would take the intro script from schnapple.com slash thumbs to its logical yet ridiculous conclusion. If you visit idlesttthumbs.appspot.com So that is idlesttthumbs.appspot.com You can save yourself the Wait, strain... Wait, idle saint thumbs. <laughs> S-T-T-H? Yes. I D L E S T T H U M B S. Okay. I'm not sure what that means. Dot appspot.com. You can save yourself the strain on your vocal cords and instead generate the podcast intro audio as an MP3. The sound clips are from previous podcasts and stitched <laughs> together by code that can only be described as artisanal. The most important lesson learned from the development of idle. Oh, idolist thumbs is that Chris has mm. never said 58 on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I have now. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so thanks for the so, podcast, Bice Dibley. See, who's on this week's episode? Let's say that it's P- P.S. This is an important postscript. This supports the years 2014 to 2020 and episode numbers from one to 999. I think we're gonna run out of years yeah. before so, we run out of. So episode only up numbers. to 199. Only up to 999. Okay, so I'm oh, gonna yeah. generate an intro right now. Okay, and let's give this a listen. This is a, I can't believe someone made this. Thank you, Bice. Yeah, this is crazy. And thank you, Schnapple, for the, the progenitor to this. This has mm-hmm. like been a it's good... It's February 10th, 2016. This is Idle Thumbs 249. I'm Chris Reno. I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm Danielle Riendo. I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm James Spafford. I'm Steve Gaynor. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and I'm a- Nick Brecken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that insane. Crazy. Yeah, that's wow. That's really good. Wow. There is a Nick checkbox. I just didn't check it. No, that's fine. <laughs> Uh wow, that's nuts. Yeah, you it sounded see- entirely natural. I mean, as natural as our awkward intros are. <laughs> He's got all kinds of options here. Nearest Wednesday is the default. Today, tomorrow, any other specific date that you can fill in below. Uh, episode number. Um, by default, it does the next one, and then hosts with seven checkboxes. Wow, God, this yeah. thing is insane. It's February tenth, twenty sixteen. This is Idle Thumbs eight hundred fifty. I'm Nick Brecken. <laughs> oh my date didn't there's speak. no there's no way to just force and i'm nick brecken no you can't do an and oh. uh, it doesn't it doesn't depend on you can't and. you can't check the, the box next, three times i'm nick brecken i'm nick brecken and i'm nick brecken <laughs> man this is crazy man idolist thumbs really yeah wow that makes me pretty happy <laughs> I know, that's makes jake the happiest i oh, think that's amazing <laughs> that's This thing is getting close to just. So here's the thing: yeah. if that little intro thing was coupled with the Thumbs DB, um, do you guys remember Thumbs DB? It was someone yeah. made oh, a yeah, thing to track the YouTube uh, thing. The last rev of Thumbs DB would let you pick a game, and it would make a YouTube playlist of only discussions about that game. Yep. So you could just listen to every time Idle Thumbs talked about XCOM, and it would just make you a mini XCOM episode. You could combine that with this and just roll infinite idle thumbs episodes at this yeah. point i'd only want to hear the three times they talked about tropico <laughs> <laughs> in the year 2025 <laughs> anyway yeah well sounds like a podcast i think it was yeah thanks for joining me on this podcast you guys oh sure oh, yeah anytime and you the readers i appreciate it 
Only Chris appreciates the readers. <laughs> I don't think only I appreciate the readers. I would say that Postmates also appreciates the readers. And that is why this podcast was brought to you by Postmates. Goods and foods from all sorts of stores straight to your doors. You can download the Postmates app on iOS or Android and use the offer code THUMBS for a free first delivery from Whizburger or anywhere else. Thanks, Postmates. Thanks. If you like this podcast, uh, please consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes, and please especially consider telling a friend and spreading the word. It really helps us out. It's the only way we have to grow the show. Uh, really, really, really highly appreciated. You can send us email at questions at idlethumbs.net. We're on Twitter at idlethumbs and on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. Also, uh, we have s- sort of relaunched one of our long dormant podcasts, the Idle Book Club which can be found at found at our website, idlethumbs.net, along with all the rest of our shows. Um, we just put up our first new full episode, which is on the novel Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff, which in the time since we released our preview episode was declared by Obama to be his favorite book of 2015. Nice. So we got that Obama bump. What are you guys reading next month so people can catch up starting now? Uh, next month, we are reading Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, which was made into a movie yeah. several years ago. He's also the author of The Remains of the Day, which is like one of my favorite books. Um, I have not read this one. I've not read Never Let Me Go, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm doing the podcast now with my fiance, actually, Sarah Argadale. We talk about our experiences reading the books. We read uh, letters from uh, podcast listeners, and we, um, you know, one book a month. It's a good kind of easy pace to keep if you're looking to try and read more this year, um, which is definitely a thing that is helpful for me about doing this podcast. Um, it's a kind of a fun way to do it because you can talk to um, all the people in the Idle Thumbs community who are also following along. There was a really um, just highly active forum thread for the first book, and I imagine there will be for the rest of them as well. So anyway, you can find the Idle Book Club at idlethumbs.net with all the rest of our shows. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Bye. Bye. Yeah.